pretty rocking song, right? Kind of not, not as heavy as last week's. Uh, last week's was definitely a headbanger. But I'm thinking from now on, since we're kind of getting used to this type of music, instead of like saying, you know, when a pastor says something that's real profound, you say amen. I think we should just, yeah, like that. So next, next week when Pastor Tim preaches, if you would just do that unanimously, I think that would really freak him out, probably, probably startle him or whatever. But um, this band, Shine Down, this song, Unity, it's about being a part of something, right? You, had, you saw the crowds, you know, hundreds or thousands of people that come together, all right? They're unified because they enjoy this band. They like listening to it. Uh, they like crowd surfing people. Uh, I've been there. I've done that kind of stuff. It's a lot of fun until you get dropped, and it's, and it's not so fun, all right? But in the beginning of that music video, you saw the band huddled together, right? And this is what they said. They said, we will not fall because we have each other. We will not fall because we are brothers. We will not fall because we have love. We will not fall because we will rise above. You know, they get it. They, they get the fact that they need each other to get through this life. They need each other to encourage and support each other through the challenges and through the difficulties. Um, and we can relate to that, right? We all have struggles. We all have challenges. We all have struggles and difficulties. Um, this week particularly um, was challenging for me. Uh, very, very uh, stressful, uh, probably one of the most stressful weeks I've had. And um, so if I fall over, just give me like two minutes to take a nap, and then I'll be right back up and we'll finish on. But it's, um, it, was a, it was a trying week for sure. And, and I have no doubt that God has been preparing me for that um, and has allowed me to go through that to definitely test what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're going to be talking about unity. We're going to be talking about uh, humility, uh, gentleness, and patience. When I was a teenager, um, as probably a lot of you have done the same thing, you went to youth retreats, you went to outings, you went to concerts with your youth group. Um, you attended, you know, maybe as an adult, now you attend conferences, seminars, things like that. Um, but it's awesome how you can, you can come together with people that you, you don't even know, people that you've never met. Maybe it's people from the other side of the world. Um, and instantly you can connect. You can, you can have common ground that you can share um, trials with or you can talk about how God has worked in your life. And as a church body, that's something that we do on a regular basis. We share... Um, struggles and trials with each other. And we can connect because like, like the, the people at this concert, they have a, a commonality that they like the band, right? And we as believers have the Holy Spirit that unites us. We have God's word that calls us, as Randy said, to be united together and to pursue peace with one another. And so people want to be connected, all right, and we can connect with others. Surprisingly, though, probably every, well, not surprising, but probably everybody in this room has a smartphone, right? I would, I would kind of guess that. Maybe a few of you don't. Um, but surprisingly, in a world that is so connected with social media and the Internet and, and all, the, all the avenues that we have to, to reach people uh, instantaneously, I mean, I think about when I was in high school, 
I was one of the first kids. I delivered pizza for Domino's, so they, they required that I get a cell phone. I was one of the few kids uh, in high school that had a cell phone, and uh, there was no texting or anything. When texting first came out, I thought, that's stupid. I'm never going to use that. That's silly. Just call the person. But now I primarily text all the time, so I'm eating my words. But we, we all... We all are connected, but surprisingly in a world that's so connected, all right, studies show that more and more people, especially young people, feel isolated. They, they're feeling and experiencing um, more anxiety and more depression than ever before. All right, have you, have, has anybody else heard these studies, right? And so they, even though people are connected through social media, they're still missing out on this togetherness that we're talking about. And if, if you watch the rest of that music video uh, when you get home, the little girl walking around taking pictures with the Polaroid, she is putting them all on a wall. And they actually, it, it creates a picture that's almost identical to our little handshake here, our holding together, our together symbol. It's really cool. So how do we fit into all of this? What is our role? What is... As believers in the body of Christ, so we're going to be talking about um, how we take God's word, how we take these principles, these one another principles, and how we not only impact our lives, but the, the lives of the people around us. So we're going to be looking at that, these one another principles, as we continue on in this series. And like Galen said in the slide, it's been, it's been challenging. It's been uh, awesome to... Uh, to be convicted in areas, um, so hopefully uh, that happens tonight. But before we dive in um, to the scripture, let me open up in a word of prayer real quick and uh, ask the Lord just to open up our hearts and minds uh, for what he has to say. Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for everybody that is here tonight, and Lord, we pray that uh, as we look at your word, that it would convict us, it would challenge us, that it would uh, transform our hearts and minds to be more like your son, or that we would um, realize that we have a responsibility and a role um, in the church, not just to be attenders, but Lord, to be uh, active participants, uh, rubbing shoulders with each other on a, on a weekly basis. So Lord, we pray that um, our hearts would be challenged. And that we would uh, grow in our understanding of you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so brief uh, introduction. If you don't know who I am, um, I'm Pastor Tim Van Summeren's son, um, not Tim Ackley. Um, I would probably be taller if I was Tim Ackley's son. But I asked Chloe. Chloe's going to work some magic, and they're going to be playing this tomorrow morning. I told her to make me at least four inches taller for the video. So I'm looking forward to seeing what I look like uh, taller because um, I always come up short uh, in everything I do. So I'm uh, Pastor Tim's son. I grew up uh, as an MK, as a missionary's kid, and then I was a PK, a pastor's kid, a youth pastor's kid, actually. And then I went back to being an MK. My parents went back to Thailand for several years uh, to work on the mission field again. And now I'm back to being a PK, um, which, you know, MKs and PKs, they both have, you know, stigmas of being like weirdos and stuff like that. So I got to be honest, we did do some weird things. I was going to show a video, or not a video, but a picture 
of my first day of kindergarten in the village in Thailand. We lived in the jungle. It wasn't uh, Amazon rainforest type jungle, but it was a step down from the Amazon rainforest. We, there was no, um, no electricity, no running water, no video games, nothing like that, no electricity, obviously. Um, so we, we did whatever we could to keep ourselves occupied, which sometimes uh, was odd. So my first, my first day of being homeschooled, um, our, uh, my parents had another family from Texas that was in the village with us. Uh, they were our, our partners, my parents' partners, um, in the gospel uh, translation. So uh, we called her Aunt Kathy. She wasn't really my aunt, but we called her Aunt Kathy. She was my first grade teacher, and my parents thought, well, probably my mom and me. I probably went along with it, but I, I was the only kid in first grade because I was the only American kid there. So we thought it would be funny if I dressed up as a girl. Um, and that's, I look back now and think, that is really weird. I had to wait. I mean, I looked like a girl. Um, but I didn't want that incriminating evidence to go on the screen, so I left that out. Um, but I, I assure you, I am very secure in my masculinity, um, never wavered. So ask my wife. I am a manly man. So no problems there. Um, but how do we impact the world? How do we help change the world? Because that's what we're here for, right? We want to um, make an impact. We want to help people to understand uh, what it really looks like to be a follower of Christ. I forgot to start my stopwatch, so now i got to start all over again. Just kidding. Um, but what, is, what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? Uh, one of my favorite passages that, that I use a lot when talking with people is, and you'll see it up on the screen, it's 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are, are comforted by God. That's a lot of comfort in there, isn't it? All right, but what this, what this verse is saying, and it, and it applies directly to what we're going to be talking about tonight, is that not only is, not only is God desiring to comfort us, to, to change our hearts, to make us more like his son, Jesus Christ, but he, does, he doesn't want to just leave us there, right? It's not just about what I am gaining from coming to church. It's not what about, just about what I'm gaining as a, um, a believer. Now I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, and I can just kind of coast the rest of my life. I've got my life insurance policy. It's stamped approved. We're good to go. But that's not, that's not what God wants. God's got more in store for us. I love this passage because... Not only does it give us, um, not only does it tell us that God is going to comfort us in our challenges, but then he's going to turn around and use us and the circumstances that we've gone through to, to help others, right? We all want to be a part of something. We all want to help, right? Is there, I mean, if you're seeing, if you see somebody fall over, you know, your instinct is to, to help them. Um, but like I said, if I do fall over, just, just give me a couple minutes to, to relax, um, but we, God has created us, God designed us, so he knows what's best for us. And he wants us, and he has instructed in his word that we are to influence the world and impact the others. So this verse explains that very well. Um, a lot of maturing and growing happens in the context of the body of Christ, right? 
If you're involved with, with a life group or small group, like Kelly was saying, how they are growing and maturing. Um, Tim Ackley, our senior pastor, was my uh, youth group leader. Uh, before he became a senior pastor, he, he was my youth group leader from the time I was a freshman till when I graduated um, high school. And then um, I came back from college and I worked with the youth ministry for a while and he was still the youth pastor. Um, <clears throat> he, right, we all are instructed to, to help people change. We have been changed uh, by God's word. So we, in the context of the body of Christ, which is what we're talking about, we want to help each other change. But a lot of times that doesn't happen because we lack these qualities that we're going to be talking about tonight. It makes it challenging to deal with other believers. And I'm sure we've all got stories and illustrations of how you've, um, you know, whether it was a church split or a division in, you know, uh, a relationship in the church. And so we want to work today. We're going to look at um, some, some characteristics that God is, is calling us to, to work on, all right, to to input into our lives so that we can strengthen these, these relationships. And God has given us uh, a great platform, all right? We come to church, we sit here, and, and we listen to whoever's speaking, and we get all this knowledge, and we should be applying it to our lives. It should be molding us and shaping us and transforming us into Christ-likeness. And then it also gives us a platform to speak to others about it as well. And so whether it's in our workplace or at home even, uh, in the context of a husband and wife relationship, these one another principles are going to be vital to keeping the unity that uh, we're going to be talking about. And there's been many times in my own life where sitting, you know, listening to a preacher or whether it's in a car driving listening to something or at a conference, at the youth retreat, where what, what somebody is saying triggers something. And the Holy Spirit starts convicting your heart. And you start, you know, you start thinking about, you know, whether it was something you said to somebody that was, that was mean and hurtful. Or whether it was something that you did. You know, maybe it was something that you stole. And the Holy Spirit starts convicting you. And we've all been there. We all know what that feeling is like. That, that voice in the back of the, your head that says, you need to do something to, to write this. You need to do something to correct this. And... Um, you know, oftentimes that's required me to, you know, after a message or after listening to some, uh, something on the radio to go to my wife and apologize for, for something I said or go to uh, an employee or coworker and apologize for something I did or, or whatever it may be. But the Holy Spirit convicts us when the word of God is, is being taught and when it's being proclaimed and when we're, when we're applying it to our lives and when we're really listening to it. So my goal, my objective, objective today um, is that we would be challenged, that we would walk away or maybe crawl away from this. Um, if you were as challenged that I, as I was this week and the, le the weeks leading up to this, it was uh, God was definitely putting opportunities in my life to demonstrate patience and gentleness and humility, for sure. Um, or maybe we need to, after hearing this, maybe we're going to need to pull somebody aside and uh, apologize for the way that we've been um, talking to them or treating. All right, it's been, um, 
uh, four weeks, I think, since Tim started off this series talking about love, right? How love is the foundation of all the one another um, commands, all the one another statements in the scripture that we're looking at. Love for the Lord, our love for God needs to be the main focus, the main priority in our lives. Because without that, we can't genuinely live out these one another's. All right? We may be able to do it for a short time in our flesh. We may be able to do it, you know, fake it for a little bit. Um, but eventually, you know, we're, we're not really going to be doing it for the right reasons. And so, God, our love for the Lord needs to be our, our main focus, our main priority, um, and our main motivation behind everything that we do. If it's not, then it's just about us. We're only going to be doing what makes us feel good, what's convenient for us, what makes us happy, you know, what doesn't rock the boat. You know, none of us want to confront somebody and, and humble ourselves and apologize for something that we've said or done. Right? That's, that's awkward. That's uncomfortable. Right? But the word of God tells us to. It commands us to. It commands us to, as far as it is uh, on our behalf, to keep the peace with all people. So that's going to be something that is going to be challenging for us. All right? And do we, do we truly love the Lord? When you truly love someone, you're willing to do anything for them. And so... This is, this is an opportunity for us to demonstrate our commitment and our love to the Lord as we live out these principles in our life. Christ's love, um, if it's not working in us through the power of the Holy Spirit, we could not possibly expect um, to grow and mature in these areas. It's just not, that, it just doesn't come natural to us, right? We're naturally prideful. We're naturally mean. Some more than others, for sure, right? There's varying degrees of that. Um, I've met some non-believers who are extremely humble and gentle and patient, all right? But ultimately, they're still lost without Christ. And so we want to we wanna be a good testimony to him. So today we're going to continue looking at these passages. Um, our main text is going to be Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at verses one through three primarily. And we're going to be looking at these three, um, these three characteristic traits and how we can apply them to our lives and how they impact us as we live life on life, as we rub shoulders with each other. What does, nowadays with technology, what does almost everybody do when they're looking to make a purchase, or maybe it's, you know, you bought a house and you need to do some remodeling, or you want your kitchen redone or bathroom redone, or maybe you're getting married and you're, you're trying to pick a venue to host uh, the reception. Uh, what do people typically do nowadays? Anybody? Go online. Google. Yes. They look at reviews, right? They look at reviews to see what kind of, you know, what, if it's a product, you know, how well has that product held up? Did it fulfill what it was intended to, to do? And um, so we, all the time, you know, if you're, if you're going out of town, um, you go online. If, you know, if you're going to stay at a hotel, you look at a hotel and, and you read some of the reviews. And a lot of times those reviews 
have a big influence on your decision-making process, right? We've all been there. We've all looked at, you know, hey, this hotel is only like 46 bucks a night. And then you read the reviews, and you know why, you know? So we, we use reviews to gauge, all right, the, uh, the quality or the integrity of whatever it is that we're looking at. Um, the question as we're going through this, and this is a long intro before we get to our main text, so uh, be patient with me, hopefully. Um, but as we're going through this text, a question to be thinking about is what would it look like if somebody wrote a review on their experience with you? Maybe it's somebody that you met for the first time. Maybe you go to a restaurant and uh, your waiter or waitress, you know, instead of you reviewing the restaurant, maybe they write a review on you. So be thinking about this as we go through. What would that look like if somebody wrote a review on their experience with us as believers? Um, now, do you think what, what people see, and this, is, this is, isn't in the context of the one another's, but of the bigger picture, when they look at us as believers, and we've all heard it, you know, the stories of people's experiences with believers, um, and so we want to do everything that we can for God's glory, because ultimately that's what, that's what it comes down to. We want to bring glory and honor to God with our lives. So we want to, we want to be conscious that what we do um, affects people's perception of God. It affects people's perception of, of this Jesus Christ that we talk about. All right, but I want to say this, though, too, because... It's, it's easy to, to listen to messages like this and think, man, I am so far from being like that person or so far from attaining that or achieving this as a believer. And it can become discouraging. I can assure you what we're talking about tonight is just as much applicable in my life and all of our pastors and board members as it is anybody else. So we're not standing up here. I'm not standing up here as an expert on humility and gentleness and patience. Um, trust me, my wife can tell you stories. Um, so I, I don't claim to have mastered this, so I'm not up here as an expert on this speaking to you. So we need to understand, and God knows that we need each other. Right? We need each other to to come alongside each other and maybe, maybe point out some, some areas that maybe we don't even realize. Uh, a good illustration, uh, John, not John Piper, is John Piper? One of those guys. Um, uses in the illustration of, John Piper is, um, has a big bushy mustache. And he was out to lunch with somebody, and he got um, cream cheese on his mustache, and he didn't know it. He wasn't aware of it. He was going to go about his day without, without even knowing it. But the person he was meeting with um, pointed it out, and he tells that story to illustrate the fact that we don't always see everything that's, that's in our lives. We may, that, that just may be the way we are, a personality, and we need each other to gently and, and humbly come alongside each other and, and point these things out in a way that's not a judgmental, it's not pointing the finger, like, you need to fix this, you know, be more like me. 
It's, hey, let's, let's walk hand in hand. Let's walk together and work on this. So, um, and I let, I've, I've had opportunities to be the one to point out a couple things um, to our pastors. I've been, I've been at Cornerstone for 20 years, and um, there's, been, there's been a couple times where I've approached, whether it was Matthew or Tim, and shared something with them. And I, and I always tell them, you have the freedom, and I want you, if you see something in my life that doesn't line up with God's word, I want you to come to me, and, and, I, and I'm telling you that you have the freedom to come to me, and I will, I will hear what you have to say with a humble heart. Because I want to know if there's something that I can't see in my life that I need to change. And hopefully we're thinking the same thing. Because we don't always realize maybe we come across abrasive. Maybe we come across harsh. and Maybe we said something that, that possibly hurt somebody's feelings or offended somebody. So maybe it's, it's good that we have each other. And this is what these one another principles are all about. Living together in the body of Christ, helping each other so that we can become more like Christ to have a bigger influence on the people around us. So looking at our main passage, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, it's up on the screen. And this is Paul writing. And this is uh, halfway through uh, the book of Ephesians. He writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness and with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. This passage speaks specifically about these three characteristics. Right? We, have gentle, or we have humility, we have gentleness, and patience. And Matthew spoke uh, two weeks ago about bearing with one another. What does that look like? And we, we looked at that two weeks ago. Um, so we're going to spend our time, the rest of our time, we're going to be looking more in depth to these three characteristic traits, uh, humility, gentleness, and patience. All right? These, and these aren't, does anybody remember, I'm sure you do, you remember Ponderosa? Anybody remember Ponderosa? They had awesome salad buffets, right? That was like, that's what they were known for, and steaks. And I... I'm not a real big salad guy, but when I was younger, I actually liked going to Ponderosa to get the salad because they had, I mean, it was, it was like half a mile long, and you could just peruse, and you just pick what you want. That looks good. That doesn't look good. Ew, what is that? And so you could, you could pick and choose what you wanted on your salad, what you thought was best for, that would be most pleasing to you. And sometimes as believers, that's the way we look at Scripture. I mean, there's some passages that are just, I love that chapter. I love that verse. And I can, I can live that out all day long. But then there's other things that I'm like, eh, that's for that other person. You know, that's not necessarily for me. But that's not what God, that's not what God intends. This scripture is for all believers. If you are committed to Christ, then we need to be committed. I need to be committed to humility, to gentleness, and to patience. So we're going to dive in and look at these. And why are these things so important to possess? Why, why does God speak um, so frequently about these three characteristics? Well, they're going to help us, as Randy alluded to, they're going to help us maintain the unity in the body of Christ. 
Because let's face it, some of us are challenging at times, myself including. Like I said, I've been here for 20 years, so I'm sure I've offended people. I'm sure I've said stuff that hurt feelings. And yet God calls me to do my part in maintaining unity. And God intends to use us, the body of Christ. It's all throughout Scripture. We're going to look at some passages. It's all throughout Scripture that God wants to use the body of Christ to demonstrate his character to the world. God wants to use the church. God wants to use you and your sphere of influence to impact the world around you. And you may be the only person, uh, think about this, you may be the only person that somebody meets or interacts with that demonstrates humility or demonstrates gentleness or demonstrates patience. Now, maybe they grew up in a very dysfunctional home. You know, their parents were far from the Lord or didn't even, didn't, didn't know anything about the Bible. And they have an interaction with you and you, you are able to demonstrate these, these qualities to them. I can, I can guarantee you, they're going to be drawn to that. People are going to be wondering, like, what is different about this? But how come they didn't, they didn't push me out of their lives? How come they didn't reject me? How come they loved on me? Right? That's God working in our lives. So we have an opportunity, and God wants to use us um, in the lives of hurting and lost people. Romans 15, 5 and 7 um, and you'll see that up on the screen. It says, may the, God, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Jesus Christ so that with one heart, right, with one mouth, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. You know, oftentimes I've been challenged when I'm rude to somebody or when I'm mean to somebody or impatient with somebody, I think about, man, God is so patient with me, so patient with me. He's so kind and gentle to me when I don't deserve it, right? There's times when we, when we mess up and we fail big time and, and we don't deserve God's grace. We don't deserve his forgiveness, but he gives it with open arms. And that's an amazing thing. And we don't want to take that for granted. Uh, Mark 3.25, again, speaking about unity, Jesus says, a house divided cannot stand. All right, we've, all seen, we've all seen churches go through splits. It's ugly. All right, we need to be united. God calls us to be united because a house that's divided will crumble. It won't be able to stand. The divisions, the, the struggles, and the challenges amongst each other. So unity is vital to the health of a church. Right? Unity is vital to the health of a church. And that's why Tim stresses it a lot. Um, I can guarantee you, as Randy said, the, the board is away this weekend. Um, I served on the board from 2012 up until the end of last year, and then I've, I've been off a little over a year. My wife and I had a baby, um, and that changes everything, as we know, right? And so I'm taking a break from the board, but I, I, this is going to be weird. 
I thoroughly enjoyed being on the board. That might not be the weird part. But I thoroughly enjoyed, enjoyed the board meetings. And when I, when I tell people that, they're like, yeah, you're definitely a weird missionary kid, pastor's kid, or whatever. Um, but I, I came onto the board in 2012. I, I, I was a deacon um, in charge of March Street facilities. And the building started crumbling, so they said, well, he's a terrible deacon. Let's move him. Um, so they brought me on as an elder, and I was, I was involved with, with uh, ministry stuff, so they felt my giftings were better suited in that area. Um, and they were working on restoring the building. Trust me, it wasn't my fault that it started crumbling. It was happening way before. Um, but our board, Tim stresses unity a lot when we have our meetings. And as they're away this week, and I can guarantee you, unity is going to be one of the topics they talk about. And Tim said this in, in, in his board meetings, that he's never seen a church split where the board is united. And maybe you can think of, of situations or, or maybe you've been a part of a church that went through a split. And you could probably see that the board was, was not united um, in the direction that the church was going. And so it's so crucial that we as believers strive to maintain unity. One of, one of the most uh, profound uh, I'll share this short story real quick, uh, my experience on the board. One of the most profound illustrations of unity that I saw, my, probably the first month or two I was on the board, um, this was back when Bob Briggs was on the board and um, Scott Bennett were on the board. They were elders. Uh, we had a little subcommittee meeting, so there were several deacons, myself including, several elders, Bob and Scott um, a part of that. And we were, we were voting on and trying to decide on, on something. I can't even remember what it was because that wasn't the important part. But Bob Briggs said, because we were, you know, several of us thought we should do it this way. The other side said, you know, let's do it this way. And so we had to eventually come to, you know, some sort of an agreement, right? Uh, we can't just leave it at that. So Bob said, hey, guys, whatever happens, whatever the decision, you know, whatever the outcome is, I want you guys to know that I am backing you 100%. If it's not what I feel we should do, I'm okay with that because I trust that the Holy Spirit and the Lord is leading you to the right decision. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm the youngest of these guys by far, and, I, and, I, and that stuck with me. And that anchored in my mind as such a great picture of what unity looks like. It doesn't mean that we're, we're all going to say or think the same exact things, right? It's, well, God's not calling us to, to all be animatronic robots where we just, you know, we do what we're ordered to do and, and stuff like that. That's not what unity is, is talking about. Um, we don't always agree on everything, but we can agree that we're going to trust the Lord. We're going to trust the Holy Spirit's leading um, our board. And um, it, it was a privilege and an honor to be on the board. And I can tell you these, these one another characteristics um, are evident in the men on the board. Humility, gentleness, and patience are evident. Some more than others, but every one of them are growing and increasing and maturing in these areas because the Lord is leading them. The Lord is, is humbling them and showing them because, this, because we're working on this unity. John 17, um, John 17, 23. 
I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and I have loved them as you have loved me. Again, Jesus speaking about unity. So important. And the big picture is that God wants to use us, the body of Christ, to impact the world and draw people to himself. When I talk to people... When I talk to people about why they have walked away from the faith <clears throat> or why they don't even believe in God in the first place, what do you think the most common answer is? Right? What do you think the most common response when you ask somebody, you know, why, why you, know, you grew up in a Christian home, why do, you, you know, why do you have nothing to do with the Lord? Or you know, maybe you, don't, you didn't go in a Christian home but, you know, why, why haven't you given Christianity a try or why haven't you looked into it? The response almost always is based on an experience, a bad experience that they've had with a church experience or somebody who professes to be a believer. And I've been that person. I've been that person that's, that said something that offended somebody. We've, we've all at some time in our lives have said something that, have, that has made, um, that has left a bad taste in somebody's mouth. So our conduct as believers is super crucial. It's super important that our conduct as believers is in accordance with God's word. And it's a platform to witness to others. And it's an open door to speak truth into somebody's life. Um, how willing is somebody going to be to listen to you if their experience with you um, is someone of, of uh, if you were rude to them or impatient or harsh or demanding, right? They're probably not going to give you the time of day. They're probably going to think, I don't want anything to do with that. And this is why God gives us a manual on how to live as believers, all right? He doesn't just leave it up to us to figure it out. Imagine that. Imagine if we didn't have God's word and we just had to try to figure this out. It would be a mess. There would be no unity because everybody, it would be a free-for-all. But thank God that we have his word to instruct us on how to live a Christian life. Now, my wife and I just bought a house recently, and uh, we had to buy furniture and all kinds of stuff. So we went down to Ikea, and I have a little pickup truck, and we bought a bunch of stuff. And it's, if you've ever been to Ikea or bought anything Ikea, right, it comes in boxes, and you got to assemble it. So the bed of my truck was full to the, to the rail of the bed with boxes. And so I spent the next probably week assembling Ikea furniture. And for the most part, it's pretty easy. I work on cars for a living. I disassemble, stuff like that. So it comes pretty natural to me. But there was definitely, uh, I, I, I'll confess, I read some instructions, believe it or not. <laughs> and um, it definitely helped because there was, there was a couple of times when I'm looking at something, I'm like, this, this doesn't add up. This doesn't match. So you got to look at the instructions. And aren't we glad that God gave us an instruction book, a manual, right? Because relationships are complex, right? There's, there's no way around it. If you're married, you understand that very well. My wife and I have been married 11 years. I keep wanting to say 12, but it's only been 11. Um, and it's... And I, and I don't say this because I'm standing up on here on, on stage and they're recording me and this is going to be broadcast. We have an awesome marriage. 
and I love it, but I can, I can assure you, and I tell people this, if it weren't for the word of God working in my life on a daily basis, we would not have the marriage that we have. And I grew up as a missionary kid seeing my parents, seeing their marriage, and seeing their devotion to God's word, and seeing how that translated into their marriage, and how they interacted with other people, other missionaries, how they interacted with us as kids, how they disciplined us, how they um, treated us when we did really stupid things. And so I, I can always remember growing up thinking, okay, whatever they're reading is really working for them because they have an awesome marriage and that's what I want when I get older. And so I, I see how God's word impacts their lives and has given them the tools to have a great marriage. And so that's what I wanted, all right? That's probably what we all want, right? We all want a great marriage. We all want good, solid relationships. Well, God's word and these principles that God writes out in his word are going to help us to achieve those relationships because they're difficult, all right? Relationships, like I said, relationships are complex, all right? But guess what? The creator of the universe, the God who created relationships, knows how they work best, and he has given us the tools, given us the manual, and um, that's an awesome thing. And God wants us, he wants to use us in our marriages, in the church, individually, to influence the world around us. Um, Paul, in the, in the uh, several verses leading up to it, they're not, they're not going to be on the screen. I'll read them real quick because I'm probably already running out of time. All right, we got to speed this up. So Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us. Verses 21 and 22 of that same chapter. In him the whole building joined together um, is joined together. In him you are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives. Uh, chapter 3, verse 10, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold, of, the manifold wisdom of Christ is displayed. All right, so how well are we doing with these one another's? How well are we living together? All right, it's, this whole series has been challenging. Hopefully it's been challenging. Hopefully we, we walk away and maybe we've had some talks with our spouse or children or coworkers and, and mended relationships. But that takes, that takes humility to see that and to do that. So the first, the first character trait that we're going to look at is humility. Right? Christ demonstrates this perfectly in his life. Right? And we're called to be like Christ if you look at the screen, 2 Corinthians 5.20, I love this passage. It's a constant reminder that, that people are going to be looking at my life. It says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though he were making his appeal through us. So God is using us as his vehicle, his mode of transportation for, to, to demonstrate these, these characteristics, these qualities that he wants in our life. Another verse that speaks to this, Ephesians 5, 1, it says, therefore be imitators of God. So he's calling us to imitate God in, in our love, in our, in our patience, and humility, kindness. Right, Romans 13, 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ 
and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The NIV says to clothe yourselves in Jesus Christ. So the imagery there is of putting on something that you didn't have already. Right? When we get dressed, we're putting something on to cover our bodies so that we are presentable. Right? I bought these new shoes, and I was really nervous because they're, they're like pointy shoes. And I've never owned pairs like this. Um, I was so nervous about coming up on stage because they stick out my... You, you could run my foot over with a steamroller, and I would be fine because there's about four inches of space. Um, I was worried about coming up on stage. I forget why that was going there, but anyways. Um, oh, clothing. That's right. To clothe yourselves with these, these qualities that God calls us to have. Um, another verse, Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, again, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness. There it is, humility, gentleness, and patience. Are we seeing a theme here, right? We're, we're, we're getting the picture that God wants us to put something on that isn't naturally happening in our lives. We need to put on humility because it's not standard equipment, right? We don't, we don't just come out of the womb with humility um, in place in our lives. So we need to uh, put it on. Matthew, um, I think it was two weeks ago, read a passage in Philippians. And we all know it's a, it's a famous passage. It illustrates Jesus' humility, right? He, he gave up everything. And died a criminal's death on the cross because he loved us. Right? He humbled himself, became the lowest of the low, and gave his life up for us. Ah, how apt are we to, uh, to let injustice happen to us? Right? It's, when I get cut off, drive, driving is my challenge. I do a lot of driving, and that's where my impatience rears its ugly head a lot. And so, um, you know, even today I was... I was driving around, and of course, coming here this evening, this afternoon, rather, I was behind a slow person. I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to practice patience, and this is it. Um, but we, we don't usually take injustice very well, but God is calling us to be humble. A great example of a person who's humble, um, if you know sports, if you know football, Barry Sanders um, known as probably the best running back of all time, um, was very close to breaking Walter Payton's record of rushing yards, and he retired a year before he could accomplish that. And that was, that was a shock to the NFL. People were so confused as to why, when he was so close, and with his track record, definitely would have surpassed that easily, would he step down. And he said, it, to me, it wasn't, about, it wasn't about becoming famous for being the best running back. He said, I, just, I wanted to do the best job every time I got out on the field. And uh, John Madden, in one of his interviews, and after the interview with Barry Sanders, said, Barry Sanders is the most humble person that he's ever met, humble athlete he's ever met. If you watch his highlight reels, I get goosebumps watching him. But you never see him showboating at the end of, of a run where, you know, he left guys laying on their butts, right? He, he didn't jump around and showboat. He was very humble. Um, and we often see these characteristics, all three of these characteristics, humility, gentleness, and patience. Oftentimes, we see these three working together. 
right? If you're seeing somebody that's, that's displaying humility, a lot of times they're displaying gentleness and patience in the, in the, in the same experience or at the same time. All right, humility is, is, I like this, this is kind of a definition of humility. It's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. I think C.S. Lewis, I think it's a quote from C.S. Lewis, if I'm not mistaken. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. All right, moving on, gentleness, the next quality here. Uh, even with infinite strength, Christ shows gentleness and kindness. Gentleness is not always something that, uh, that comes easy to us. Proverbs 15.1, and this is, this is a verse that my parents had us kids memorize. Proverbs 15.1, I'm sure you've heard it. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And verse 4, 15.4 says, a gentle tongue is a tree of life. Titus 3.2, speaking, uh, speak evil of no one, avoid quarreling, be gentle and Show courtesy, show perfect courtesy towards all people. And being gentle is not, it doesn't mean you're weak. It's not, it's not weakness, all right? It's strength under control. And God's calling, God's not calling us to be doormats and to get walked all over and, and to not defend ourselves or to, to defend our families. That's not what this passage means, right? Because we're told many times in Scripture um, to, to admonish and to rebuke and to warn people, all right? So we're, we're called to do those things, but we're called to do it in a gentle way. First uh, Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. So God is calling us to be gentle with how we respond to people because that's, that's a quality that he shows on us. So we should be showing it to others. Even though God calls us to be gentle, he's not calling us to be weak by any means. There's many verses that illustrate this. A couple of them are in Joshua 1, 6, 7, and 9. God calls us to be strong and courageous. All right? So you can demonstrate gentleness um, without showing weakness, um, and, and Christ demonstrates that. So we're going to look at patience now, this last one, as we um, wrap up the next 45 minutes. Just kidding. Um, patience is an essential characteristic of God. And you think about it, like I said earlier, what would it look like if God was not patient with us? Right? Think about that. That's, that's, a, that's a sobering thought. What if God showed the same kind of patience to us as we showed to our neighbor who always parks a little too close to our spot or the person who cuts you off or whatever it may be? Think about that. What if God, God was as impatient with us as we are with others sometimes? That, that would be challenging. The word patience comes from two Greek words, and, and <clears throat> we're going to look at this real quick. It comes from a word, macrothumia. It's up on the screen. It comes from two words. The first one, macros, which means long or far, or far distance. And thomas, which means getting heated up, breathing violently, or actions emerging out of strong impulse or outbursts of anger. So patience, we can, we can look at it this way. Patience is withholding sinful expressions of anger for a long period of time. So when we are patient with somebody, a lot of times... 
when we're demonstrating patience, we're holding off on, on doing something or saying something. We're holding off, and a lot of times it's sinful what we're going to be doing. Right? God demonstrates anger, but he does it in a righteous way. And when we look at our lives, when we express impatience and when we express anger, it's not always justified. First Thessalonians 5, 14 and 15. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be, here's this word, macro through male, be patient with all. With all, not the people who you like or not the people who like you or the people that are easy to be patient with, but be patient with all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek the good of one another. All right. As we are looking at this, how are we patient? Are we patient with our spouse? How, how are we doing in that area? How, how patient are we with our children? How patient are we with our coworkers? How patient are we with that driver that just pulled a maneuver that we don't approve of? James 1.19 says, Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. There's that word again, macro through male, slow to become angry. You know, it's hard when you live with somebody who's extremely impatient. You know, when they don't get their way, they're, they're pitching a fit, they're, they're, they're screaming, and they're yelling and stuff like that. It's very difficult to live with a person like that. And thankfully, that's not my wife. It's our five-month-old baby, Paxton. He just turned five months old yesterday. And their babies are not very patient, right? They, they, when they're hungry, they start screaming and yelling. You know, it's not like they're like, hey, mom, you know, when, when you get time... You know, when you get a chance, when you're not doing the dishes and the laundry and taking out the trash and doing this, could you, could you feed me or could you change my diaper? That's not, that's not how they work, right? They are very impatient. And we have to teach them. We have to train them to be patient. Um, the great chapter on love that is read in a lot of weddings, 1 Corinthians 13, the first characteristic of love is patience. Right? Patience is all throughout the New, script, the, the New Testament. Scripture speaks heavily on it. It's a fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. Right? So if it's a fruit of the Spirit, it's something that doesn't come from us necessarily. And we can demonstrate patience, but the Holy Spirit really gives us the kind of patience that we're talking about here. Uh, the ability to hold off sinful anger for a long time. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness, but is patient, there's that word macro through male, patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. Psalm 103.8, or 103.8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. So we, we see that God demonstrates patience with us on a daily basis. Every day, God is patient with me, and I'm very grateful and thankful for that. If we're to be the light of the world, right, if we're to be impacting and maximizing our, 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 our influence, right, these qualities need to be in our lives. And it's something that we don't just, we, we don't just get them and then we're good. Right? We're, we're, this is something that we're constantly working on. We're constantly working on humility. We're constantly going to be working on being gentle. And we're constantly going to be working on patience. 
there are times, right, we want to have a healthy balance of this because we're not, we don't want to be apathetic. We don't want to disregard. If there's, if there's times that we need, we need to address situations, God's not saying just to turn away and, and disregard it. Right? We need to address it. Um, Ephesians 4.26 4.26 says, Be angry, but do not sin. Right? So being angry in and of itself is not a sin. But a lot of times for us as humans, it turns into sin. It leads to sin. It, le- it leads to us doing something that violates God's commands. Psalm 7.11, God is angry with the wicked every day. And obviously God is not sinning, but yet he is angry with the wicked. He's angry when we sin and violate his commands. Our anger is most often not righteous, right? We can all agree on that. Think about your experiences on that. Patience, as I said, is an essential characteristic of God. And let's face it, we need to work on patience. All of us, myself including, this is an area that we probably all struggle with. We are the avenues in amongst ourselves as believers in the one another context we are the avenues in which Christ wants to demonstrate his likeness to a world. And it needs to start right here with us. Right? We need to be demonstrating patience. So let me close in prayer, and the worship team's going to come up. I hope, I hope this has been as challenging to you as it's been to me. And I hope we can make some changes in our lives. Let's ask the Lord to do that.